Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. I am your host, Gene Ross, joined, as always, by Josh Julie And Josh, somehow, someway, we are down to the final two games of the regular season. It's pretty sad. This, this year has really flown by. I know I said this last week heading into the Indiana game, but, you know, it's just, it's crazy looking here. You know, we're talking about, you know, potential college football playoff matchups, potentially, you know, situations of who's in, who's out. We're looking at, you know, resumes at this point in the year. Um, it's just crazy how fast it went. I feel like just yesterday we were doing our, our Big Ten previews of all these teams, and now here we are with just two games left, Ohio State, one game remaining uh, before its big matchup with, with Michigan. And it's kind of, you know, the season is not hasn't gone as expected as we've gone for all the Big Ten teams, but I think we both kind of figured, um, you know, doing our Big Ten previews that Ohio State and Michigan would both be 11-0 coming into that, that season finale. Um, and it's looking like that's, that's a pretty good possibility at this point. Yeah, and the game is what really crept up on me. Um, cause you hit the nail on the head. Like this season has flown by, but it didn't really set in until I'm sort of doing prep for this. And I'm looking ahead just a little bit and I'm like, Oh, you know what? Um, the game is next week. And so it, it caught me completely off guard, but Ohio state is where they want to be at this point during the season. Uh, they've got an interesting opponent coming up this week and then a big rivalry game to think about. So it's been fun. It's been real. Uh, and now it's getting real close to being done. But a couple of games still left to discuss, at least during the regular season. And uh, I'm here for it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I think technically, you know, there's uh, there's only two uh, opponents officially on the schedule at this point for Ohio State right now. But I think there is a third unofficial opponent uh, on the dock right now. And that's Ohio State's own health. Um, obviously, we don't know a ton going into this yeah, game. Yeah, Dr. Of, lower Body. Dr. Yes, lower Body is, is on the schedule. That is the third team on the schedule for Ohio State the rest of the way. Um, we don't really have any sort of clear picture of what Ohio State's depth chart will look like this weekend, as we really haven't for the entirety of the year. Um, we know Jack Smith and Jigwood probably isn't going to be back until, at best, the Michigan game. Um, we don't know the status of Mayan Williams or Travion Henderson, even though you know Ryan Day made it sound like at least Travion Henderson will be back this weekend. Don't really know that for sure. Don't really know what's going on on the defensive side. I don't know really what's going on also on the offensive line with Dewan Jones. So a lot of, of injuries that are popping up here and there uh, at some pretty key positions. And so before we get into you know our, our Maryland preview, Josh, do you think that any of these, maybe not for this game, um, but like, do you think that any of these injury issues are going to wind up costing Ohio State in the end? Do you think that there's one um, injury? Obviously, you know, a knock on wood, like C.J. Stroud is probably the main, like if he got injured, then like things would, would fall off a rail. But I think, you know, Ohio State's done a good job to this point of managing the injuries they've had. And they've been very lucky to have like two very capable running backs and seemingly one or the other has been out on any given week. But do you think that there's like anything that is like any of these injuries that's going to hold Ohio State back in the long run? Or do you think that like by the time, you know, it comes down to crunch time, obviously if if Ohio State makes the Big Ten Championship and wins that and is ready for the playoff, they will have, you know, almost a month or a couple weeks off before that, that playoff game. So hopefully they could be fully healthy going into that if it comes down to it. But are you at all concerned um, long term about any of these Ohio State injuries that we've seen so far? Yes. I think the one that immediately comes to mind is Mayan Williams. You know, I think that Trayvon Henderson is likely to be back, I guess. But spoiler alert, I don't think we see him this weekend. I just don't. I think it's Dallin Hayden. It is potentially Chip Trianum backing him up, some X-Man. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> and, and look, I'm not a doctor or anything like that. But when I see Trayvon Henderson in a walking boot prior to the Indiana game, I know that that can be, um, you know, just – playing it safe, being conservative, trying to nurse that injury the best you can. It's not like I'm not saying he aggravated it um, in between games or anything like that. But I just walking boot one week, 100 percent the next. That doesn't add up to me. So I could see him missing another game. I think he's back for Michigan. Um, but getting back to Mayan Williams, you know, I, I love Trey. I really do. I think he's a super talented running back. I think he's a home run hitter. When he has been healthy or seemingly healthy this season, I think that he has improved as the season has gone along. I think he looked really good against Penn State. However, when it comes to tough yards, always gaining yards, falling forward, getting the short yardage stuff, I think that that's where 
Mayan Williams was head and shoulders above Travion Henderson. And if they don't have him against Michigan, I'm not saying it dooms them by any means, but I have concerns. So that's the the one that immediately comes to mind for me. The other one, too, and I'll just kind of throw it in there because we don't know. Ohio State's defensive backs have not been awesome this year, right? At least the cornerbacks. It's been a bit of a struggle, guys, in and out of the lineup. But Denzel Burke didn't play last week. We don't know if he's injured, whether it was precautionary, disciplinary, what have you. Ryan Day, I don't think, has talked about it. And I know he hasn't been great this year, but Jordan Hancock is inexperienced. J.K. Johnson has had his issues. So whether it's against Maryland or Michigan, I think that Ohio State could use and needs all of its corners, experienced corners, out on the field. And whether he has struggled or not, Denzel Burke still has that dog in him. You know what I mean? Like he was a freshman All-American, so he's got something inside. And if he can put it all together, he's capable of playing a really good game and shutting down uh, a wide receiver somewhere on the field. So those are the two that jump out to me. I think Dewan Jones will be back and the rest will kind of sort itself out. But where are you at, Gene? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how Ohio State deploys its running backs this week. I don't know. Um, if the coaching staff would do something like this, but in a, in a game against Maryland where you're favored by almost four touchdowns, you know, maybe have, you know, I, I doubt Mayan Williams will be back this week. I mean, he was on crutches in the second half of, of last week. I doubt he's back this week. They said it's not super serious, but you got to at least let him heal up a little bit coming off of that injury. Um, so I don't expect to see him, but even if you have Travion Henderson available, maybe just use him in like an emergency situation. Like let Dallin Hayden, mm-hmm. Xavier, Xavier Johnson, Chip Train him, let them kind of cook, see what they could do um, in that backfield. Let your other guys get healthy. And then if you're in a spot where, you know, you're struggling and you need a guy like Travion Henderson, then put him in. But I wouldn't force those guys to play this week if you don't have to. I, I know it's, you know, obviously it's a road game. It's against a team that is capable. They're not like a, they're not the bottom, a bottom feeder in the Big Ten by any means, but you know, maybe just use those guys only if you need them. Don't force it. Don't potentially re-aggravate an injury, like you said, because you will need all of your top guys against a team like Michigan. And then in the defensive back front, I am interested in what's what's up with Denzel Burke because he was kind of playing better and better as the year got on, and he wasn't like lights out like he was last year, but he was at least improving week to week. We saw Cam Brown return last week. Denzel Burke wasn't on the injury report, as I I don't believe so, at least going into that Indiana game. So weird that he didn't play. I'm interested to see how they deploy those guys this week against a, a Maryland team that could throw the ball a little bit. It would be nice to have, you know, your two starting cornerbacks and Denzel Burke and Cam Brown, both healthy and on the field against a team like this and moving forward. Um, so yeah, I think those are kind of the main two you'll look at. Not really worried um, along the offensive line. I think even if Dewan Jones can't go, I thought Josh Fire looked really, really good last week. So I think they're fine there, although depth could be a potential issue if more than one guy goes down. We know Matt Jones has been dealing with an injury himself all year. So there are a couple guys banged up there as well that could cause issues depth-wise, and you'll definitely need that offensive line against a team like Michigan with their defensive line. So another key area to look at. But yeah, I think overall um, we're fine for right now. This would be a good week to, you know, if you get up big early to definitely get your guys out earlier than you would usually. I know Ryan Day likes to keep his guys in for usually one or two longer drives and fans would like. Um, Maybe don't risk that this week if you don't have to. Um, but yeah, I think overall the injuries have definitely been a large storyline this season. And, you know, especially now you're getting down to, you're getting down to the games that matter. Obviously they all matter, but you know, you got this last game against Maryland and then you have a Michigan game. If you win that, you have a big 10 title game. And then if you win that, you have playoff games. So the most important games of your season coming down, you want to be as at full strength as you can be against the better opponents that you're going to play. So I think that injury management, um, is the name of the game going into these last few weeks. So I would like to see. Yeah, I don't have any issues with like Dallin Hayden and Xavier Johnson splitting reps at running back this week. They both looked really good last week. I think they're more than capable against a Maryland team that isn't, you know, really known for dominating in the in the run defense department. I think you'd be fine with those guys. But like I said, if you don't, if you're struggling and you need to put him in, play him. But I I wouldn't play Travion Henderson this weekend, even if he's ready to go. Maybe suit him up. Obviously, bring him on the trip. But he doesn't need to start and get 20 carries by any means this week. I'm with you. Uh, I'm okay with everything that you said, especially the Travion Henderson piece. Have him ready to go if needed, break, uh, break glass in case of emergency sort of deal. But, you know, it's about time that we're going to get into this. Maryland could be pesky, you know, and I, I don't know that Ohio State's going to put it away quickly. There are a million things we can talk about with this Maryland team, and you, you could end up convincing me that I'm just, you know, a, a crazy person, but they can put up points. They've got a ton of skill on offense. And so, 
I would love for Ohio State to jump out to a big lead on the road and be able to rest some guys, but we'll see. I don't know. They might have their work cut out for them. Yeah, let, let's take a look at what this Maryland squad's been up to this season. Uh, been kind of an up-and-down year for the Terps in 2022. They began the season 3-0 and uh, with non-conference wins over Buffalo, Charlotte, and SMU. They played a, a four-quarter game with Michigan, only lost by seven. They had some you know, some bad play at the end of that game. Might, might have been able to pull off an upset, but nonetheless, only lost by seven to a good Michigan team. Um, bounced back the next week with a win over Michigan State, uh, but that's when things kind of began to go south. Uh, the following week, they lost a two-point game to Purdue. Uh, they beat a bad Indiana team by only five and a bad Northwestern team by only seven. Um, and then since then, they've lost 23 to 10 to Wisconsin and were shut out last week, 30 to nothing to Penn State. Um, so this offense, which we expected to be really good coming into this year, has been on, on a somewhat steady downward trajectory the last few weeks. Um, their average is down to 28.3 points per game, which ranks them seventh in the Big Ten. Nationally, they're down to 69th in scoring overall. They're also seventh in total yards now with under 400 yards per game in the Big Ten. Um, the passing attack still ranks fourth in the Big Ten at over 241 yards per game, but I think we expected to be even better than that. You know, we obviously expected Ohio State to be at the top of that list, but I think we expected kind of Maryland to be there in the in the Maryland Purdue category, kind of in that that second tier of Big Ten passing offenses. Um, the defense has had its moments this season, but it's it's overall it's just kind of there. Um, they're eighth in the Big Ten, 53rd nationally, averaging you know uh, 24.6 points per game allowed. Um, they're all the way down to 10th in the Big Ten allowing over 380 yards per game defensively. Both the rushing and the passing defense ranked 10th in the conference as well. Haven't done a ton in the sack department, sitting a 10th there. Haven't really taken the ball away a ton. They're 11th in picks, which is 7 on seven on the year. Um, they're also the most penalized team in the country, averaging over 73 yards of penalties per game. So um, we kind of expected this Maryland team to be kind of a, an interesting an interesting unit in this in this Big Ten East, a team that could throw the ball, has a good quarterback, has good receivers, good offense overall, maybe a decent defense behind it. And they've just been sort of okay. And in these last few weeks, especially against some of the better teams they played, they just haven't looked particularly good. And it hasn't been like one thing or another, but the offense has really just not been getting it going. Obviously scoring zero points against Penn State last week is, is certainly not what you're looking for with the players that Maryland has. And I know, you know, Talia Tugbailoa has been beat up at times this year, but it's just, it's been an odd season for the, this Maryland team. And I, I think we expect them to be a little bit better than they have been. Yeah, I think it's an odd team uh, to have an odd season. I look at it like, I don't know, like you're preparing a dish, you're cooking, right? Like you've got all the right ingredients and Maryland has thrown in all the right ingredients, but the oven temperature wasn't right or they, you know, didn't prep this correctly. They did like the end result has not been what you thought it would because they're a crazy talented team and you're, you know, you hit on some of the real big bugaboos. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you struggle with penalties, if you struggle to get sacks, like <clears throat> those sort of peripheral stats, they sort of add up, right? And that's where I think Maryland has struggled. I think that they have a game plan. They have a lot of the pieces in place, but it's executing weekly. It is minimizing penalties, just you know, coming up with something just a little bit extra, and that's what they're lacking. So... All of that being said, I struggled to get a read on this one, Gene, because, yes, on one hand, Maryland has looked awful for two weeks. Ever since Tagovailoa was banged up, they put up 10 against Wisconsin, and then they were shut out by Penn State, which is mind-blowing with the amount of talent they have on the offensive side of the ball. But on the other hand, that offense is loaded, and the defense has improved from last year. Uh, I know they're, what, you said bottom – bottom tier of the Big Ten, but they gave up 30 points per game last year. They're just under 25. So incremental progress. I like some of the players on that side too, though. So I keep looking at the talent and the individuals and wanting to kind of like talk myself into, hey, this is going to be a really close game, but recent results would tell me otherwise. You go back even further, they eked one out against Indiana. They eked one out against Northwestern. So even some of their wins have been against the bottom half of the Big Ten, and they haven't blown anybody out. Anybody out, I'm sorry. So this is just uh, – it was a tough one to peg for me. I'll tell you that my prediction, my score prediction at the end is probably – I'm going to come up with it 
10 seconds beforehand just because I struggled with this. But I think it'll be an interesting game. It's good that Ohio State is going to go on the road one more time. College Park, Maryland is not the most hostile environment. But I think the Buckeyes going on the road, I hope, forces them to narrow their focus even more and avoid sort of that trap game, that look-ahead game before next week. Yeah, that is sort of the the thing you worry about in this one. Less so, you know, obviously Ohio State comes in this game with a massive talent advantage, even though Maryland does have a good amount of talent on their roster. But yeah, that look-ahead spot with Michigan coming up next week, you know, the ultimate goal of of finishing the season undefeated, of, of getting that revenge against Michigan from the loss last year, that is all on this team's mind. But I don't think that, you know, they're gonna they're gonna look ahead. They know that they have to win every game. They know they have to win this Maryland game and continue in order to achieve those ultimate goals. So I think they'll be fine on that front. Um is worth noting that uh Joey Porter Jr. didn't even play for Penn State last week in that shutout, which just makes that result even more puzzling with some of the wide receiver talent that Maryland has. Wow, but, I didn't realize that. That yeah. is bananas. Yeah, it's a very, very odd game. I didn't watch it, but I just looked at the box score and I saw that Joey Porter Jr. didn't play um, in that game. So I was like, how did they even manage to do this? But nonetheless, um, looking at the, the coach here, as we've done with all these teams, Mike Loxley uh, hasn't exactly fared well against Ohio State in the Ryan Day era. The combined scores of the two meetings between these two coaches is 139 to 31. Um there were some rumors floating around back in 2019 that Loxley and his staff were the ones that tipped off the NCAA about Chase Young. Uh, Young, of course, missed the Maryland game that year after being suspended for getting his girlfriend tickets to the Rose Bowl, which now in the era of NIL just looks completely ridiculous. Um, Ohio State went on to score 73 points in that game. Uh, so I don't know if there's any truth to those rumors, but you know, from what we've seen on the field, it does seem like there is some added animosity from Ryan Day towards Mike Loxley. Um, Ohio State is 7-0 all-time against Maryland, so it's not like this, these things have been just specific to those two coaches as both teams have switched coaches throughout that time. But nonetheless, um, whether these rumors are true or not, and we'll never know the true story, um, I just think Loxley is sort of a, a middle-of-the-road coach. He's not. He's never had a winning record as a head coach. He went 2-26 and over three seasons at New Mexico, and he's 19-27 and at five seasons at Maryland. Just not a guy that, that really moves the needle for me. Maryland has hauled in some big recruits, but they've also lost some of the biggest names from that DMV area, which has so much talent year in and year out. I don't really know what the Terps expect to be within the scope of the Big Ten since joining the league in 2014. They're probably never really going to contend for a Big Ten title, especially with the the Big Ten East being what it is. Um, they've at least shown improvement going from 3-9 and nine in 2019 when Loxley first got there to 7-6 and six last year and now 6-4 and four this year so far. Um, but I just, I don't know, unlike many of the coaches in the conference that we've, we've talked about to this point, I just have, I have very few thoughts on Mike Loxley. I just don't, I don't have a thought on him. I don't know what he is. He's, he could be good. He could be bad. I just, I don't know. Mike Loxley is milk toast to you then, Gene. You just, you have no preference, no feelings uh, one way or another. I think he's a below average coach. Um, n- not a poor coach by any means. I think he's a, a good offensive mind, and he he showed that at Alabama as well. But when I look at coaches or coaching, I ask myself, could another coach do more with this talent? And I look at Talia Tagovailoa. Is he a first-round draft pick? No, but he's a talented quarterback. They've got some really good running backs, wide receivers all over the field. Rakeem Jarrett, five-star guy from a couple of years ago. They've got um, Jay Sean Barham on the defensive side of the ball, a couple nice pieces there. They should be an eight-win team, I think. And, <clears throat> you know, it's entirely possible they get there this year. But, yeah, in totality, 19-27 and 27 at Maryland. Now, I think he was interim in 2015. Still counts against your record, right? And so – They've shown subtle progress, but what's your level of patience, right? Mike's, Mike Loxley is not one of these 38, 40, 42-year-old you know, young guru kind of guys. He's a bit of an older coach. He got his first opportunity in 2009 at New Mexico. So, you know, is he going to work his work this program up to 10 wins when he's 70? Awesome. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what that means for the health of the program moving forward. So I've got nothing against the guy. Like I said, I think that he he and his staff have recruited fairly well and they won a bowl game last year. But seven and six with a bowl win is only so good for so long, in my opinion, with the amount of talent and the guys they have on the roster. So that's my opinion of the Maryland head coach. 
Yeah, I think Maryland is another one of these teams that would benefit greatly from the dissolving of uh, divisions in the Big Ten. Um, although with the, with that being done and the addition of UCLA and USC, it probably doesn't. It's probably a, a net neutral for them because it's two more teams that are better than them. Uh, you know, at least on paper. Um, that they'd have to contend with. But for right now, obviously, I don't think Maryland can contend with the, the Ohio States, Michigans, and Penn States of this conference. Let's take a look at this offense under Mike Loxley. Um, the star of this offense is, of course, quarterback Talia Tagovailoa, as you mentioned, the younger brother of Tua Tagovailoa. Former four-star recruit, began his career at Alabama with his brother, transferred to Maryland in 2020. Last year, he set the Maryland single-season record for passing yards and touchdowns. He was the MVP of the New Era Pinstripe Bowl in a win over Virginia Tech, so something we all aspire to be. Um, a big knock on him last year, though, was that he had to cut down on the turnovers. He threw 11 picks in 2021. Five of those came against Iowa, but he only had three in the team's final seven games, so he looked to be improving. He's done a much better job of that this season as well, with only six interceptions in nine games thus far. Um, overall, Talia has thrown for over 2,100 yards with 14 touchdowns. He's also a capable runner, but he doesn't do it a ton. He's got three rushing touchdowns, but he's only got 51 yards on 60 attempts. So he's not a, a guy that's a, a true dual threat. He can move around and he could, he could escape the pocket when needed, but he is not a guy that's looking to run on, on any given down. Very much in the, the same vein of C.J. Stroud, but pretty, a little more willing of a runner um, than Stroud, at least until recently. Um, running the football overall has been tough for Maryland for a while, but they've been surprisingly good at this season. And a large reason for that is the play of Roman Hemby. The redshirt freshman has 815 yards and seven touchdowns on 6.1 yards per carry this season. He also has 239 yards receiving and a touchdown through the air. So he has been a very good player for them this season, kind of out of nowhere. Wasn't really even expected to be the starting running back out of the, out of coming into the offseason, but nonetheless has earned the job and has done well, very well with it. Um, this receiver room, however, was expected to be one of the best in the Big Ten, if not in the country. That trio of Rakeem Jarrett, Dante Dimas, and Deshaun Jones looks fantastic on paper, but hasn't fully panned out this season. Jarrett, as expected, has been the best of the bunch. He's got a team-high 406 yards and three touchdowns, but Dimas and Jones have not really picked up their end of the bargain. Dimas has just 153 yards and one score on the year. Jones has 313 yards and three scores. Uh, both have played in all 10 games, so it hasn't really been an injury issue. It's just been, you know, lack of production so far from what I've seen. Um Tight end Corey Deitches has actually been the, the second leading receiver on the team with 386 yards and three touchdowns. He is a uh, former wide receiver turned tight end. Um, Maryland has six players with at least 200 yards receiving, so they do spread the ball around quite a bit. But the the top end of this room outside of Jarrett really hasn't been what we expected to be coming into the year. Um, and then on that offensive line, Maryland returned four starters, uh, but three of them have switched positions. I feel like we've said that about a bunch of Big Ten teams. Everyone's just throwing their offensive linemen all over the place. Um, senior Jalen Duncan is the anchor of the group at left tackle, but overall this unit has not held up well in pass protection. They've allowed 29 sacks on the year, which is 12th in the Big Ten. Uh, they've been okay in run blocking. They rank 25th in the country in average line yards, but that pass blocking has just taken away any positives in the run game because they are 85th in power success rate and 97th in sack rate. So overall, you know, this is a team, um, even with their limitations, this is a team that could throw some challenges Ohio State's way. Um, you can't really sell out to stop the run or the pass since they're at least capable at both. Um, you also can't really focus in on one receiver because multiple guys can beat you and they, they pass it around a ton. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, Tagovailoa is is mobile enough where you have to at least keep, keep it in the back of your mind that he can run. Um, so I'll be interested to see how Jim Knowles looks to attack this group um, in his defense's last test before Michigan. It's an interesting roster. Um, it's it's played not really up to the sum of its parts. It's It's got some really good individual talents and guys like Tagovailoa. Um, Hemby and Jarrett, but you know these last few weeks it has really fallen off a cliff. I don't know if that injury is still bothering Tugabailoa. Um, he did miss a game with it a couple of weeks ago, but nonetheless, this this offense has it wasn't as good to start the year as we thought it would be, and it's it's been even worse over the last few weeks. So I don't really know uh, what to come of it, but they do do enough things where I guess Ohio State does have to at least. Um, you know, take them seriously. And I think this is a unit where, you know, with their strength being the passing game, even though the run game has been good, um, I think that's enough to test Ohio State's corners. We talked about that coming in, how they've kind of been, you know, up and down. They've been injured. So a lot of interesting stuff here from this Maryland offense. And I'm interested to see how Ohio State, you know, looks against a unit like this. Maryland can absolutely test Ohio State's defense. There is no doubt in my mind, can and will are two different things. Uh, you asked, how Jim Knowles is going to prepare. I, I think he's going to take a trip to Blitz City, but that's just me, you know, because you can't completely sell out against one thing or the other against this team. But yeah, on offense, Tagovailoa and Rakim Jarrett were 
both highly sought after recruits. They're kind of the stars of the show on the marquee, but I really like the running back duo that Maryland has. They have a ton of pass catching options. The thing that's odd, in my opinion, with this offense is they don't put up a ton of points for the offensive style that they run. You know, to a to Aaliyah threw for thirty eight hundred yards last year, but they put up twenty nine points per game last year. They're averaging twenty eight points per game this year, almost exactly average. They are like in the exact middle of the pack nationally. So it's, you know, 40 points per game per week is not easy to do, but you would think over the last two years, I would, I would have expected to see Maryland somewhere in the low thirties with just the guys they have, the way they air it out, all of that good stuff, but it just hasn't happened. And some of the things that you mentioned, penalties, sacks are probably a reason why for me, it comes down to the health of Tagovailoa and how he will play. Uh, he was injured against Indiana, and in those two games since, he has been dreadful. He's thrown for about 150 total yards and completed less than 70% of his passes, whereas the three games before that, <clears throat> he was in the high 60s completion percentage, just under 300 yards per game, two touchdowns per game, total night and day scenario there. I think it was an MCL injury. Maybe it's worse than they let on. Maybe he tried to come back too quickly or, you know, perhaps he simply just had a, a rough couple of weeks. I think he's capable and he has the guys on the outside. He can put up big numbers if everything's clicking. But they also have an interesting backup option in Billy Edwards Jr. He's playing in six games, dual threat guy. We've seen Ohio State struggle with mobile quarterbacks for Toledo and Northwestern. So Definitely something to keep an eye on there. Edwards can do some things if called upon. Really like the running back duo. Roman Hemby has over 1,000 total yards. He can do it all. Run, catch, you name it. I like Antoine Littleton, too. I think it's Antoine, Antoine Littleton. Built like a Mack truck. Six foot, 235 He, I think he's listed at 235 generously. My man is thick with two Cs, but... He hasn't rushed for more than 30 yards in a month. So he, you know, in theory is a good handcuffed op handcuff option has not been super productive over the past month or so, but this team ran all over Northwestern, whereas the Buckeyes struggled. So I know that's an apples to oranges comparison, given the environment and everything like that, but it, all in all, it just causes me to buy into the Maryland ground game. I think that if Ohio state is not buttoned up, the Terps can run on them. Wide receivers and pass catchers, there are dudes all over the place. You covered all of them. I want to hit on a couple. Corey Deitches, listed as a tight end. I think he's 6'1", 220. So not even a big wide receiver. He is just a wide receiver who can probably block better than most, but definitely an eye to keep, a guy to keep an eye on. And the other one for me is Dante Demas. You mentioned the numbers this year, 14 catches, a buck 50, one touchdown. But I don't know if you remember this. I certainly do think back to last year. He suffered a nasty leg injury midway through a game. But the first four and a half weeks of the season, this guy put up 28 catches, 570 yards and three touchdowns in four and a half games. He looked like. Calvin Johnson out there, you know, and he's a big dude. He's like 6'3", 6'15", 6'3", 220. So I know it's been a struggle this year. I would assume he's back to full health. He has played in every game, but I did want to float his name out there because when I think of size advantage or mismatch, that is Dante Demas. Remember last week, Cameron Brown going up against a 6'6 tight end. Dante Demas is one of the tallest guys on this Maryland offense. So I think he can go up and do some things. And they've got their other tight end too, um, CJ Dupree. I watched a little bit of his stuff. I like him. So just guys all over the place. It comes down to Tilia's health and can they protect him? That's why I hope that Jim Knowles and Ohio State, they dial it up, they get aggressive because – We've seen Tiger Baloa struggle not only the past couple of weeks, but like think back to that Iowa game last year. You and I have talked about it a couple of times because it was just, what did he throw, four or five interceptions in that game? 
He was off schedule the entire time, facing pressure, blitzed a ton, and he was running around without a clue back there. I don't know that Ohio State can replicate that, but the Buckeyes have some horses. They've got some guys who can get after the quarterback. We saw Jack Sawyer kind of uh, you know reinvigorated, I think, last week. JT Tuamalau has been coming on. Ohio State linebackers blitz pretty well when called upon. That's what I want to see because I think if you create that pressure in the backfield, in the pocket, Maryland becomes much easier to sort of scheme for and game plan for, in my opinion. Yeah, and we also saw Jim Knowles do some things last week that we haven't really seen a ton where he brought the safeties more. You know, we saw Lathan Ransom have a big game. I think he was registered with a, a one-and-a-half sack. So bringing some of the guys in the secondary as well, I think they also like to do some of that corner blitz stuff with Cam Brown, pretty much specifically with him. I don't think they really do it with um, any of the other corners, at least that I've noticed, but I have noticed they've done that with him a few times this year when he's been in. So definitely something to, to, to keep an eye out for with this uh, Maryland offensive line that isn't exactly the most stout in the in the league. Um very unfortunate circumstance here for Tugavailoa to have to, you know, come back from injury against a uh, three weeks in a row: Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State. Um, not exactly a, a great stretch to return to to full health in um, three teams that could get after the quarterback pretty well. Three teams that have played really well defensively this year, and you know, just three overall of the top teams in the conference. So, kind of a tough stretch for them. Kind of makes sense why their offense has been struggling. But you know, as long as it continues to struggle this week, that is that's what we're looking for. Um, but but flipping over to the other side here with Maryland's defense. Right, yeah, I'm not going to feel bad for him, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely not. Um, looking looking over here to, to Maryland's defense, um, as, as stated earlier, this is a unit that ranks sort of in the bottom half of the Big Ten, despite looking you know good earlier in the year. Um, you know, that being said, though, this team has a handful of players that can give Ohio State some trouble, especially in the secondary. Um, Maryland features a very strong safety to safety duo in Bo Braid and Dante Trader Jr. Uh, Braid is the team's leading tackler with 67 total. Trader right behind him with 49. Both guys have a pair of interceptions on the year. They have eight pass breakups between them, so a very solid duo in that back of the defense. Also featuring more than solid cornerback duo in Jacorian Bennett and Deontay Banks. Bennett leads the team with nine pass breakups, also has a pick. Banks is right behind it with six pass breakups and a pick of his own. And then the secondary is rounded out by nickelback Tarheeb Still. Uh, 37 total tackles on the year, three tackles for loss, a pick, and a pass breakup. Uh, this back five is a whole really solid group, even if it doesn't always come together. Um, those five guys account for all seven of Maryland's interceptions this year. So it is interesting that, you know, the, the starter, all those those specific guys, the five stars at those five positions have all of the picks. You don't usually see something like that. Usually, you know, a, a guy here and there will grab one. But those are the guys with all of the takeaways, at least through the air for this Maryland team. Um, in the middle of the defense, uh, Ahmad McCullough and Jayshon Barham have been the top performers at linebacker. Uh, McCullough has registered 43 total tackles with two tackles for loss and two fumble recoveries. Uh, the four-star freshman in Barham has 42 total tackles and is second on the team with four and a half tackles for loss and three sacks. Um, up front, like OSU, uh, Maryland utilizes a jack position, which is manned by Greg China Rose. He is likely one of the names you will hear on Saturday up front for the Terps. Um, he leads the team with four Gene, sacks. Is that an Allman Brothers song? Greg China, China Rose? Rose? <laughs> Could be. I, I- I'm going to have to look it up, man. I'm a bit older than you, but uh, Greg China Rose, all-time name right there. I'm willing to believe it. He is. He's listed in some spots as Greg Rose, but the official Maryland roster lists him as Greg China Rose, so I will go with what they have. I would imagine they know better than us. Um, but yeah, he leads the Terps with, with uh, four sacks, going along with four tackles for loss. Um, this defensive line itself has not been spectacular. There's a reason Maryland ranks ninth in the Big Ten in sacks. Um, Darrell and Kami has been the best of the bunch. He's got a team-high six tackles for loss with three sacks. Um, Amy Finau has been solid from his nose tackle position with four tackles for loss, but really not um, a ton to scare you uh, from this Maryland front. The, this defensive strength is that secondary, uh, but it's hard to play coverage for so long when you aren't really getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, Ohio State's offensive line has been great in pass protection all season. I kind of expect that to continue here. Um, I'll be interested, interested to see if more than just Marvin Harrison Jr. can get involved this week in the passing game against some really good uh, corners and safeties back there. I think the Buckeyes should be able to run the ball in this game, but who knows, like we said earlier, um, who all will be available. 
Um, and, I, and I think overall, this this Maryland team is a, is a good final test for Ohio State before the Michigan game. There's probably not enough here to really threaten the outcome, but I think there is enough here to test you in some key areas, whether that be in the passing game, uh, maybe against the run game, missing some of its guys, and then especially as we talked about on the offensive side with what they could do in the passing game and even in the run game as well. So I think that this is um, a good final test for Ohio State. I, I don't think this is a game that Ohio State could take lightly. I don't think they could sleepwalk through this one and come away with a win. Uh, but if everything, you know, if they if they execute the way that they should, they have the talent advantage, obviously, here by a wide margin. So if they're able to execute um, and, and just play their their brand of football, they should be fine in this one. And I think that, um, you know, there's there's some things here, but not enough where I'd be you know super worried about Ohio State losing this one. Yeah, I think they can be tested, too, in the sense that Maryland, while they don't have the greatest defense on paper, they are very athletic, uh, especially in the back seven couple of very athletic linebackers experienced secondary you know those four or five guys back there make a ton of plays for the turp so real quick it's china grove by doobie brothers though i knew i had heard of it before uh gene like i said i'm older you need to go do your homework look up that song after the fact but china grove by doobie brothers not greg china rose anyway uh getting back to the maryland defense I, I like what they do up front. I think Rose and Nakami can get after it a little bit. Not huge sack numbers, but again, they're athletic guys, athletic rushers. You know, they can bend, they can rush with speed. So that's going to test Paris Johnson Jr. and potentially Dewan Jones. But where I really like the Maryland defense is in the back six, back seven, like I said. Um, Barham's that four star freshman, homegrown talent. I'm writing about him for players to watch this week, uh, a quiet assassin, apparently uh, a very quiet guy leads by example, but he is a thumper, you know, he's athletic, he's big, he runs fast and he hits violent. So I like what he brings to the field. McCullough is their leading linebacker tackler with only 43 though. So I think that's sort of concerning if you're a Maryland fan that your top linebacker is giving you four tackles a game. I think that means you're calling too much upon your secondary, sort of like we've seen in the past with, uh, you know, like Michigan State, right? All of their DBs are the top four out of five, five out of six tacklers. You'll see some of that with this Maryland team, with the exception of McCullough and Barham. But like I said, only four to five tackles a game. Um but still, guys to watch out for. You know, McCullough's like 6'1", 220. So I think he can drop back. Maybe he's looking at Cade Stover, uh, kind of minimizing his impact a little bit. And so then it's going to be these Ohio State wide receivers against an experienced secondary. Braid's a good player. Trader's a good player. Between the two of them, not only do they have four interceptions, but eight passes defensed. Braid also has two forced fumbles. And Tarheeb still is a guy that, you know, 2020, 2021, I think we were talking about this guy as like a potential all Big Ten corner. Still a good player, you know, played in 10 games. He has 37 tackles, one pick. Um, I, I just like what he offers back there with his experience. Bennett and Banks, another couple of uh, good guys back there. So they can throw bodies at Ohio State in the past game. My question is, can they get to C.J. Stroud enough I think the answer is no. And then can those linebackers minimize whoever is running the ball for Ohio State? Probably TBD, right? Until we know the health of Travion Henderson, um, I'm a little less optimistic about Ohio State's ability to run the ball, even despite Maryland's numbers, just because, look, I, I, I like what Dallin Hayden brings to the field, but he is a true freshman. And he was fourth on the depth chart at the beginning of the season for a reason. I think he has performed very admirably. But at the end of the day, he's not Mayan Williams. He's not Travion Henderson. And we'll see who is blocking for him. But, yeah, I think when it's you're comparing talent versus talent, Ohio State's offense is second to none, literally. And so Maryland might be pesky on the defensive side of the ball, but as long as there are very few elements, little weather to contend with, I think Ohio State will figure out a way to put up a bunch of points. Just watch out for the athleticism. We may see a pick or something like that because the Terps um, just have some good athletes back there, period. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, like we, like we said earlier, this could be, you know, this is a spot you look at as a potential big look ahead spot for Ohio State, but I don't, I don't think Ryan Day will let his team do that. Um, I think their goals are far too large and they've done, you know, far too much this season. They're, they're 10 games in now. Um, that Well, know, and I think a road game too, Gene, the fact that it's a roadie at 330 should help, in my opinion, Ryan Day's cause to like light a fire under these dudes. If it were a nooner at home, um, maybe a slower start, but I have faith. You know, I think they'll come out strong. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, to, to have the season like they've had and then to just throw it all away because you're disinterested against Maryland would be very, very silly. So I, I think they'll be fine in that realm. Um, but like we've said the, pretty much the whole time, the Buckeyes really just need to get healthy this week. That's probably the second biggest thing other than actually winning the football game that you're looking for this week. Hopefully no more additional injuries and hopefully some of these guys that are banged up are either able to, you know, sit out this week and get healthy or just, you know, get through a game healthy and, and, and move on towards that mission game next week. Um, I don't really see anything here that would lead me to believe that this isn't another large margin of victory for Ohio State. You know, we've talked about some of these guys they have and they could do some interesting things on both sides of the ball. But at the end of the day, I just don't know if any of it is is sustainable enough to do in a full 60 minute football game against Ohio State the way that they've been playing on both sides of the ball this year. Um, so I'm also factoring in the the alleged day versus Loxley rivalry. Um, I'm taking that all into account for yeah for my score prediction here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give the Bucks another big one here. They've they've beaten them big in their last two games against Ryan Day. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go again here. Uh, I'm gonna say final score here, 52 to 17, Ohio State. I think the Buckeyes keep on rolling wow. here. Wow. Yeah, I got wow. I got I got it big. You know, I I think that you know C.J. Stroud wants to make a statement for his Heisman candidacy. He had a really good game last week. He's looking to follow that up with another one this week, heading into that uh, that marquee game of the season finale. Um, I think that the offense keeps rolling. I don't think that, you know, I, I think that CJ Stroud's going to have a pretty clean pocket most of the day. And although that this Maryland secondary um, is good, I just think that when you force your team to cover for as long as they'll probably have to, I think that, you know, guys are just going to naturally get open, especially when one of those guys is Marvin Harrison Jr. And the rest of them are also like former five-star prospects. Um, kind of hard to guard those guys. Uh, Maryland offensively, um, the fact that they didn't really do anything against a Penn State team without Joey Porter Jr. doesn't strike fear in me. I know that you know, Telly is a solid quarterback. They've got good wide receivers. The running back is solid, but I just think Ohio State's defense is playing at too high a level right now to really let up a ton in that realm. So I'm thinking Ohio State wins big. As I said earlier, the line is somewhere around, you know, 27 and a half, 28. So I have Ohio State covering for the second week in a row. Um, they covered 40 against Indiana. So why can't they cover 28 against Maryland? They certainly can. You know, I'm, again, pessimistic, Josh. I, I'm going to go, you know, much closer only because the way I look at it, this isn't Maryland's quote unquote Super Bowl, but I just I think they're going to be super fired up coming off of a shutout loss against Penn State. So I don't think Ohio State plays poorly by any means, and it may not be uncomfortable throughout the entirety of the game, but I just I think Maryland pulls out some tricks or is able to um Gosh, what's the word I'm, uh, I'm looking for? I think they're just able to play well for a less eloquent term or to use a less eloquent term, play well enough to keep it sort of interesting. So go ahead and give me 38 to 24 Ohio State. Like I said, I don't think they play poorly, but with Maryland's run game, if they can hold on to the ball, keep C.J. Stroud on the sideline, and then if Talia Tagovailoa plays well, I think they can put up some points. However, disclaimer, if Talia Tagovailoa comes out looking like he did the past couple of weeks, then I think Ohio State could blow the doors off this team. I just maybe three weeks removed from that injury, he looks a little bit better, maybe even four weeks right now. So I'll go a little bit closer, but I don't think Ohio State suffers one of those like drastic letdowns like we've seen in the past. Yeah, you know, Josh, it, it took 11 weeks, but I think this is the first week where our picks kind of our, our final score predictions really differed here. Uh, yeah, we've been we've been pretty spot on pretty much all season until this game. I just think that uh, my my real difference maker here is that I think Ohio State's defensive line is just going to have a field day with this Maryland offensive line. I think that we kind of saw a little bit of a coming out from Jack Sawyer. I think Ohio State should kind of learn from that game of how they should be using him more as a traditional um, defensive end and less so is that Jack position. I think he's better suited as just a pure pass rusher um, as we saw him excel in that role the last week against Indiana. We know what JT Tunaloa was capable of. 
Um, when Mike Hall has played more than like five snaps a game, he's looked really good. The other defensive tackles, you know, Teron Vincent, Tyleek Williams, all those guys up the middle have looked really good. So I think that between, you know, those guys stopping the run alongside, you know, Eichenberg and, and uh, Steel Chambers, um, I, I think that those guys are going to do a good job against the run game as they have most of the year. They're going to force Maryland to have to throw the football. And then once that becomes a thing, you know, that pass rush is really going to get going. So I just think that um, Jim Knowles is going to have these guys dialed up. They want to, you know, make a statement going into that Michigan game. And I, I, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to how this defensive line plays against that Maryland offensive line. And on the flip side, I just don't know. Um, I, I think Ohio State will be fine running the football with either, you know, uh, Dallin Hayden or Xavier Johnson, or if it is Trayvon Henderson, I think they'll be fine in that department as well. So I just, I am not... Maybe I should be more concerned about this Maryland team than I am, but I think I'm maybe it's recency bias with that 30 to nothing Penn State win, but I'm just not really afraid of what this Terrapins team could do in the in the current state of these two teams. That's a it's a tough stench to get off. You know what I mean? So you could be completely on brand, on base with your prediction. And it's funny, you bring up the defense, and maybe that's the difference maker. And I was thinking of this as you were talking. We've, you know, we've suffered some, you know, kind of stressful weeks watching the Buckeyes and we know what they have on offense. We're like, oh, my gosh, C.J. Stroud is awesome. Marvin Harrison Jr. is amazing, this, that and the other. But when the defense is playing aggressive and playing well, that might be the most fun aspect of the game for me personally. You know, last week watching Jack Sawyer get after the quarterback, all the sacks that they had, um, the fantastic week that JT Tuimalao had, even though the team wasn't fantastic as a unit. When that defense is really getting after it, it's a lot of fun to watch, maybe even more so than C.J. Stroud clinically operating out there. So I just wanted to bring that up because you hit on it. The things that Jim Knowles is doing with this defense, it's really impressive, and I hope he continues to tweak and throw things at opponents and this week would be a good week to do so because, again, we have seen what happened in the past when Tiger Valoa was heavily impacted by pressure. Yeah, and, you know, this this defense is such a far cry removed from, you know, if you remember, it wasn't the last time Ohio State – actually, was it? It wasn't the last time Ohio State went to, went to College Park. They played a game there since, I believe. But uh, Ohio State won that game a few years ago back in 2018, 52-51 against Maryland, if you'll remember. Um, and they let up over 300 yards rushing. Anthony McFarlane had 298 yards on 21 carries and two touchdowns in that game. And, you know, they were, they were very close to losing that game in overtime to Maryland. Um, to see how I far, remember that one. Yeah, that we, was we all so do. brutal. Like multiple 60 yard runs. Yeah, it was it was not a fun game to watch. Ohio State's defense was miserable from that year and, and pretty much the, the few years to follow that as well. Uh, but to, to see how well this Jim Knowles defense has played, I agree. I think watching the defense play is almost as is, is almost if not more exciting than watching the offense because while the offense is so good, we kind of, you know, we expected that. We're we're jaded in that regard. We expected CJ Stroud to come out here and ball, even with losing two first round wide receivers. We expected these guys like Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Ibuka and the like, um, to kind of pick up the pieces and and kind of fill in and and not miss a beat. And they've done that. So they've kind of lived up to expectations. The defense, on the other hand, I think has exceeded expectations. You know, we expected them to be improved from what they were the last few years, but I don't think anyone expected them to really play as well as they have thus far. I think we expected much more uh, growing pains in a completely new defensive scheme, and we really haven't seen all that much of them. Ohio State's defense has pretty much been really good from the get-go, and I think that's why it's almost more exciting than the offense, even though this is one of the best offenses in the country. I think that from how bad this defense was the past few years to watch how good they've been this year is just a nice breath of breath of fresh air and I, and I think that's why it's just been so exciting to watch these dudes ball it's been exciting to not be terrified that's the best way I can explain it but I, I took a peek at my phone Gene while you were talking we're recording Tuesday lunch ish um, Ryan Day had a couple things to say about JSN without looking if you had to guess what do you think Ryan Day had to say about Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, he probably had the most coach speak answer of all time that basically gives him a 50-50 shot of playing, even though we know it's like 90-10 that he's not. Yeah, I was just trying to see if I could mess with you a little bit. Uh, he did call JSN one of the best slot wide receivers he's ever seen and otherwise no update. So breaking news for everyone. I don't know when this is going up. No update. No update. Did you ever expect an update? There will never be an update. We will be at halftime of the Michigan game. Jackson Smith and Jigba will be playing, and we will still not have an update <laughs> on Jackson Smith and Jigba's availability. 
Um, but nonetheless, Josh, I was gonna we were gonna end this one on sort of a, a college football playoff talk with the rankings being released uh, tonight once again as we're recording this on Tuesday. Um, you guys will already know the rankings at this point, but I don't really think there's much to discuss this week. You know, the past few weeks there's at least been some discussion of the top four teams, uh, but nothing has really changed from the past week. You know, the the, the rankings of of past week. Uh, Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, and TCU 4. I imagine that will be exactly the same this week since none of those teams lost. And, you know, nobody even really was uh, had a scare this past week. You know, everyone took care of business as they should. So I imagine those will be the same four this week. There will be, you know, stuff to talk about heading into next week and maybe potentially even after this weekend. Uh, so maybe we'll, we'll save that conversation for, for later on uh, after the Ohio State game against Maryland. But I, I'm not I'll throw one much. thing in there, Gene. Yeah. I'll throw in one thing because you and I were talking about this pre-pod and we you know executive decision to leave it out which is probably the right call but i just want to say that i don't think i think this is about a five-team race right now and i'll leave it at that i I don't care what the 10 wins are 11 wins are i do not think that a two-loss team deserves to be in the final four and you know that thou how Thou shall remain, thou who shall remain nameless, goodness. Um, you know, they won by three points against a really bad football team this past weekend. So that's who everyone's talking about in the purple and gold family. Um, but it, it needs to be zero and one loss teams. Sorry. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think after this weekend's slate of games, especially with some big ones in the Pac-12, um, we will get a much clearer picture of the the Cotswold playoff uh, field as we head into the final week of the season. So I think we'll have a, a lot more to talk about on that front um, after the Saturday's games. But nonetheless, um, that'll that'll be it for us going into this Maryland game. As we said, sort of, you know, cherish the moments. There's only two regular season games left for Ohio State. Um, so enjoy it while we can. Um, season went by quick. You know, we've had a lot of complaining, a lot of scares, a lot of, uh, you know, angry, frustrating moments. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we got to cherish the college football season while we still have it. Um, that'll be it for us this week. Be sure to check out all of our written content heading into this game over at LangrantHoyland.com. We've also got our men's and women's college basketball coverage in full swing, so be sure to check all that out as well. Be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff, all the podcasts ask you to do. And for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross, and as always, go Bucks.